Thank you. Thank you, church. And happy Mother's Day to all our mummies in the room. It's such a good day that you'll be in the house this morning. You know, this is the second year I've been mum to Zara, so I fully understand the sleepless nights, the worrying and anxiety over, you know, a runny nose, the blood, sweat and tears, the love, the passion that you have for your kids. And, you know, there's, there's nothing like it. And even if you're not mum to physical children here in the house, you know, you can be mum, you can be a spiritual mum to many around you as well. And we recognise and we love and we thank our spiritual mums in this house as well. So this morning, I am blessed to be here this morning and to share with you what God's put on my heart. And the word, the word that God put on my heart this morning is to speak about true worship. And for me, you know, I, I, I'm just a worshiper. That's my bent. And so I could speak until Jesus comes home about worship, and I still wouldn't be done. So I do have 12, notes, 12 pages of notes here this morning, but I won't keep you here all day, I promise. But worship is just something that just comes out of me because I'm a worshipper and I love it. And if I was back in the Bible days, I'd be tribe Judah, tribe worship. Um, but this is something that God put on my heart to share with you this morning. And I really believe and, and pray that your hearts are open and that you receive something from the word this morning that you're able to um, put into place into your life and to, um, to facilitate a closer connection with the Lord through praise and worship. So I want to start with an analogy um, as tribute to Brad because he loves his analogies and also Brad sends his love um, to you all this morning. He's in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia um, speaking at a, a seminar there. So he is missing church. It's the second week he hasn't been here. He's missing you all so much. Um, but he'll definitely be here next week sharing a powerful word. Um, but yeah, he sends his love and um, just says that he misses you all. So yeah, this is an analogy I want to start with, which is if, if we were here this morning and someone was to pass out, what's the first thing you do? Check the breathing, check their pulse. That's it. So make sure that they're, check their pulse to make sure that they're breathing, their heart's still pumping. Um, so when we think about praise and worship, in the same sense, checking our praise pulse or checking our praise lives is like our spiritual pulse. How much do you praise? How much do you worship? How much are you giving thanks and praise to our God? Are you doing it on a regular basis? Or is it something that's kind of out of balance that you need to reevaluate your heart connection with the Lord? Because if you have a healthy connection with God, if you have a healthy relationship with Him, you can't help but praise. It just comes out of your pores. You just want to praise and worship God and thank, be thankful to Him 24-7. So the truth is, whatever captivates the deepest passions of your heart will also earn your worship. Come on, let me say that again. Whatever captivates the deepest passions of your heart will also earn your worship. So let me ask you a question this morning, church. What captivates the deepest passion of your heart? If you think about it, what captivates the deepest passion of your heart? Is it God? Or do you need to realign something here this morning because whatever, you, whatever captivates your heart, that's what you're going to worship. When we worship, we're loving Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You know, there's been so many times in my life where I can remember just worshiping God. Like I remember um, one of the earliest memories I have was when I was seven years old and just 
kneeling in our living room listening to mum had left a worship a worship tape it was back then a worship tape playing and I was just kneeling in our living room and I felt the presence of God tangibly and that's one of the first memories I have of worshiping and feeling the presence of God but all through my life there are these certain moments that I have as like touch points of experiencing the presence of God and experiencing the love of God and life-changing moments for me, most of them have been in worship. Most of them have been in times where I've just been before the Lord worshipping. And that's something that's been so powerful in my walk with God and what's changed my life and sometimes has realigned me when I've kind of got off track. It's just because there's something so special about worshipping there's a place, it's like it, tr- it transcends the flesh. It transcends all the stuff that's going on and connects your heart with the heart of Jesus. And that is powerful when you get that and when you come to that place before God. You know, when we worship, worship is a verb. It's not something that's done for us or to us, but it's got to be done by us. Worship is a verb. It's a doing word. The worship team can't worship for you. They can take you to that place of worship. They can take you to that place of connecting with him. But the worship team, it's not their job to worship for you and they can't worship for you. You've got to make that choice to step into that place of communion with God, of connection with him. You've got to make a choice to worship Jesus. Our worship is to serve and to bring him glory. Come on, that's the purpose to serve God and bring him glory with wholehearted praise and worship. What I want to see for this house and what I love about this house is that I want to see enthusiastic, expressive, free-flowing, joyful, spirit-led and inspired worship that changes lives and provides spiritual vitality to our church. Come on, who's with me? True worship. So what is true worship? When we look at the word true, true is the quality of being sincere. It's the quality of being real, honest, loyal, genuine, authentic, unswervingly faithful and without pretense. That's what true means. True worship is having a spiritual encounter with God that transforms your spirit and your soul. It's transformational. True worship acknowledges God's kingship as our Lord of our lives and responds to him as our ruler and master. A true worshiper is one who freely pours out praise and worship to God with abandonment and joy, compelled by a genuine heart full of passion and devotion. In John 4.23 it says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. I love how the message puts this verse. But the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter. Where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. I love how the message just puts it so plainly to us. To be completely yourself, simply and honestly yourself before God in worship. Come on, we don't have to put on a pretense. We don't have to be fake. We don't have to be something that we think or to, to do something in worship that we think should be done. Come on, you just have to be yourself. Simply and honestly you, sincere, genuine before God. 
You know, for some people, that's jumping out of their skin and shouting and, and praising. For others, it's kind of a bit more introvert. And, you know, if they lift their hands a little bit, that's like way out there for them. So whatever it is for you, as long as you can truly say that you're being completely and honestly yourself in worship before God and coming and bringing something to him, then that's what the Lord wants. That's what he asks for. Here are six facts of true worship. Number one, true worship is biblical. The scriptures are full. The Bible is full of scriptures about praise and worship. There are hundreds and hundreds. I mean, Psalms alone has hundreds of scriptures about praise and worship. But the Bible is chock block full. Here's just a couple for you. Ephesians 5 verse 9. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. I love that. Psalm 100 verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Psalm 150 verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Psalm 95 verse 1 to 6, O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving, let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Come on, does that excite you this morning? Come into his presence with praise. Come with thanksgiving, with shouts, with rejoicing. Come, the book, the Bible is our book of instruction. It's what God has given us for life. So if the Bible is so full of of scriptures about praise and worship, don't you think that says something to us? It's important, church. It's so crucial for your relationship with God. It's so crucial for your walk in life. To have an atm- to have a, a um, atmosphere around you of praise to bring worship to the Lord. You know the Bible has proposed worship as an antidote to mental conditions. Did you know that? Such as worry and anxiety. For instance, Jesus told us, "Don't worry about the necessities of life, but first seek seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you." Seeking first the kingdom involves worship. Paul's cure for anxiety is prayer. He says, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, bring everything that you need to the Lord. Much of the book of Psalms is an intimate look on how to overcome mental anguish through worship. What I find interesting is the effects of praise and worship on our brain. And, you know, science is kind of catching up to the word of God. And they're now starting to say, you know what? There's different things that happen in the brain when you pray, when you worship, when you speak in tongues. That's beneficial to your life. And Dr. Richard Smith, a prominent neurosurgeon in Oklahoma, has this term. A worshipping brain is a happy brain. He actually did brain research on the effects of praise and worship on the human brain. And he found that active praise and worship is great therapy. He found that our brains are constantly inputting information and when we focus on God like he created us to do and give him our thanks and worship and praise, that our thinking actually changes from anger or anxiety, sadness or fear to peace, joy, love and confidence. How awesome is that? How great is our God that when we come to that place of praising and worshipping him that he actually transforms and that's what the word of God says, he transforms our mind that we can come with anxiety, we can come with fear, we can come with these thoughts of these oppressive thoughts. But when you take that choice to step into praise, to start to speak out the goodness of God, the greatness, to start to speak, you know what the the world has taken this and has they've written books and you know there's 
people sitting on Dr. Phil's couch that they've taken, the, the secular world have taken this and they're saying, you know what, you need to be positive and you, you need to speak into the universe what you want. You know what, that's what the Bible says. Come on now, that's what the Bible says. It says to come before him, to bring that he takes your burdens and that his yoke is light and that his burden, that his uh, yoke is light and that we can come into his presence and that we can be filled with joy and filled with abundance and that we can speak, that our words carry power, that we can speak and we can create just like he did. This to me confirms we were created to worship. Our body, mind, and soul benefits from worshipping our creator. I love the Planet Shaker song, Made for Worship. And I want to read you the lyrics this morning. Just listen and take in these beautiful lyrics. Made for worship. I abandon every distraction. My attention is set on you. My devotion, Jesus, my portion. My affection is set on you. I was made to worship. I was made for your embrace. I was made to worship. I was made to bless your name. I will bless the Lord at all times. I I was made to worship. I was made to bless your name. I will shout your praise forever. I was made to worship. I was made to bless your name. Captivated by your goodness, overwhelmed by your majesty, swept away in your holy presence, giving over all of me. I was made to worship. I was made for your embrace. I was made to worship. I was made to bless your name. My heart and flesh cry out. You fill me up. You satisfy me. Fill me with power and truth. Fill me with love from you. You satisfy me. I was made to worship. I was made for your embrace. I was made to worship. I was made to bless your name. We are created to worship church. We were made to worship our creator. And just the fact that you know, all the benefits that we see from it. You know, it's not actually for us, it's for him. But when you get into that place of worship, it also transforms you. So number two fact about true worship is it's sincere, like we were talking about before. It's with the heart and focused on God, not on performance. It's genuine, honest, pure-hearted. It's with devotion and without reservation. Joshua 24 verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Matthew 6 verse 7, When you're praying, don't say meaningless things that the unbelievers do because they think they'll be heard by being so wordy. Come on, God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. He knows when we're faking it, trying to look the part, but our hearts are far from him. God knows us. Come on, he knows when we come into church on a Sunday and we're lifting our hands and we're just saying the words out of habit or, you know, we're just going through the motions, but our heart's not there. Our heart's not in it. Our heart's not connecting with him. God looks to our heart and we need to make sure that we catch ourselves when we start falling into that lip service, that mechanical kind of place of of worship where we're just going through the motions. We're not really present in the moment. You know, that can be so easy to do because life sometimes is like that. You know, we get up, we go to work, we come home, we have dinner, we go to bed. You know, there's, there's some type of routine that we each follow. But it's so easy to take that routine into your spiritual walk with God. And that's where we get in trouble because there's no connection. Come on, we just go through the motions. It's just mundane. But when you come to that place of sincerity before God where you catch yourselves in those moments and you start to put your eyes on him, focus on him, think about the words that you're speaking, that you're singing out, 
that's what the Lord requires of us, sincerity in our, in our praise and worship. True worship is being engaged and participating. It involves expressions such as kneeling, clapping, lifting of our hands, shouting and singing. It's not a spectator event, church. Worship is not a spectator event. It's not something that's done to us or for us, but by us. To participate in is to take part, to share in, to engage in. It's the opposite of observing, watching, retiring and withdrawing. You know, as a worship leader, one of the things that so frustrates me (laughs) is when I'm standing here and the presence of God is so strong and so powerful and he's here to bring joy to he's here the the presence of God is dwelling in this house and I see people sitting back arms crossed observing worship ah it's you know what I'm not I'm not I don't judge (laughs) I don't judge but you know what I just feel like come on there's so much here for you come on the Lord wants to touch the Lord wants to fill you don't you know how much you're missing out on that's my that's my frustration it's not at that person but it's like gosh God just wants to blow your mind he wants to over, overcome you with his presence, with his love, with his power. Maybe there's something that they're going through that week that's made them come to church like that. But the irony, the irony in that is that if they stay in that place, then they're not going to get the breakthrough. Because God will meet us where we are, but we have to take a step towards him. So the word of God says in, in Psalm 51:15 to use our voice in worship. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall f- and my mouth shall f- show forth your praise. We shout in worship in Psalm 66, make a joyful shout to God all the earth. You know when Brad's up here and asking us to shout. Come on, that's why we do it because the Bible sell- tells us to shout in praise to the Lord. It's not so that we can try and get you all riled up and you know it's not so that that you know we can make a big noise. But it's because the word of God says it. Shout praises to him. The Bible tells us to clap our hands in Psalm 47.1. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. It tells us to lift our hands in Psalm 134.2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. It tells us to sing praises in Psalm 47, verse 6 to 7. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our King. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. And I like that with understanding because sometimes we can sing praises without understanding and they're just empty words. But when you sing something with understanding, then that affects how you feel and how you connect with the Lord. It tells us to rejoice in Psalm 126, 3. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're always supposed to be rejoicing in the Lord. It's a command. It's not whether you feel like it or not, church. It's a command from the Bible. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. We may not feel like being engaged on a Sunday morning. We might come and, you know, it's been a big week and we're tired and exhausted. And, but the Word of God says that you have joy in you. Galatians 5.22, you may not feel joyful, but Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. If we have the Holy Spirit, we have joy. If you don't feel that joy, start to speak out in faith. Start to praise in faith. And then you'll start to feel it bubble up. 
listening to learning to praise God even when everything's going badly will change your heart and make you more effective and cause your faith to abound. I found this like nothing else before. You know, there's been times where I've had to to um, worship lead, and you know, I've been going through a terrible time, or you know, I'm just sleep deprived and exhausted. And there've been those times that I've come just going, God, I can't physically do it today. But you know what? I don't have a choice, obviously. I'm a senior pastor. <laughs> I can't call up my pastor and say, I'm not coming tonight because Brad will say, yes, you are. <laughs> but it's the times that I have pushed myself that, you know, the Holy Spirit knows where I am and he's actually shown up and it's been so powerful. So when you step out of that place and when you push yourself, even when you're feeling like that, you know what, it, it strengthens your character and yourself, but also God shows up. You know, some of you might say, but Pastor Sarah, you don't know what's going on in my life. It's a struggle just to make it here on a Sunday morning. And you're saying that I need to come with joy and with praises? That's just not a reality for me. Well, let me say this to you. Do you think that Christ's life was all roses and sunshine? Do you think that it was a struggle for him to be mocked, spat upon, tortured, crucified for your sins and for your shortcomings? Come on, praise puts it into perspective. We serve a God who gave us everything, who didn't hold back, who gave us even his life. And we find it hard to come to church on a Sunday morning with praises, with joy. Come on, church. We need to put it into perspective. Thank you. We need to think about what is the worth and value because that's what it comes down to, worth and value. You know what? We spend hundreds of dollars and we go and we cheer on our favorite sporting team or you know, we buy tickets to a concert or our favorite musician and we go excited, passionate, and we shout and we sing and we cheer. But what about God? What do our worship sessions here on a Sunday morning say about our love and our passion for God? What does your personal worship time with Jesus say about your love and your passion for him? Come on, church, put it into perspective. If I were God and I was looking down on my children and I saw them being more passionate and more loving and more adoring to a sports team or to a performer than the one that gave his life for them, don't you think you'd feel a bit ripped off? Come on, our God gave us everything. We have no excuse to sit back. We have no excuse to feel like we don't want to praise, like we don't want to worship. Come on, church. Our God is incredible. He is so loving. And the incredible thing is that he meets us where we are. We don't even have to be perfect. And it's not saying that you have to be perfect to come into praise and worship. He doesn't even say that. He just says, I'll meet you where you are. Just take a step. Come on, reach out. Connect. Thank you, Lord. You know, the amazingly, it's been found. Oh, let me just say this. Whatever you put your worth and value on in your life, you'll worship. Yeah, some of you need to write that down. Whatever you put your worth and your value in life on, you will worship. If you put your worth and value in making something of yourself in a career, that's what you'll worship. If you put your worth and value on even something good like your family or being an incredible mom or dad, 
That's what you'll worship. We can only put our worth and our value in Jesus Christ because that's where our worth, our value and identity comes from. And then from that will flow everything else. Whatever you put your worth and value in life when you will worship. You know, amazingly, it's been found that as people sing together in worship to God, like in a choir, for instance, as well as the beneficial effects on the heart, that their heartbeats actually start to synchronize. In other words, their hearts beat as one. How awesome is that? How cool is that? The way that God's created us. When we start to sing and praise together, our hearts synchronize. Our hearts start to beat as one. You know, that to me is a great picture and image of unity in the body of Christ. And in Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Verse 3, For where the, there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. When we come together and praise and worship corporately, it's powerful, church. We can affect much, and that's why I'm so passionate about here. When I'm up here worship leading on a Sunday morning, that's why I'm so passionate about you being... Um, starting to participate and and coming into that place of worship together because I know how powerful corporate worship can be, whether it's here in our church or whether it's in a stadium, you know, like Hillsong Conference. or I know how powerful corporate worship is. When we come together with one mind in one accord in unity, there's so much that we can do, church. You know, there's not thousands of us here, but the people that are when we're in unity together, how much can we achieve? God says one can put 10 to flight, two can put 10,000, 1,000. <laughs> Help me out here. But yeah, imagine what all of us could do here when we're in unity together. And you know, when we come together in unity and worship, there's so much that we can also start to affect in the spiritual realm. We can start to pull down strongholds in our community. We can start to pull down sickness over our congregation. We can start to stand on the devil's head and start to tell the devil where to go. Come on, when we're in unity together corporately, we start to encourage one another. We start to egg each other on. There is such power. You know, part of the power of coming together is that worship unites the body of Christ. It removes all barriers that socially separate us and we become one voice. At this moment, when we unite in worship, we start trusting, loving, praising and celebrating together. Think about these lyrics. There's a song called, We Hold Our Hearts Out to You. And I just found this this week and I love it. Here we are gathered once again under your name, thinking of the ways we've all caused you shame. But we can find consolation in the things that you said. We are all bound in our hearts by a common thread. We look to you who made us one to give us strength and bring our hearts back to where we've begun. So together we hold all our hearts out to you and we all can believe you know just what to do. Heal and forgive us, making us all just like new. Jesus, hold our heart, Jesus we hold our hearts out to you. Sometimes we forget what it is that brings us here. Sometimes we forget what it means to be sincere. There are times we're bothered when we don't seem to feel. Then we all focus on the one who makes things real. We look around and we feel strong. We feel your presence. Then we know that this is where we belong. And when we hold out our lost and shattered dreams, you'll be binding every heart with broken seams. With a warm and loving hand, you understand. How beautiful. That's what it is when we come together, church. It's sharing 
in sometimes our disappointments, sometimes our broken dreams. It's coming together and knowing that God knits our hearts together as one church, as one body. Our God, man, he, I, he just gets so excited, I think, when we come together in worshipping him. It says that our, our praises and our worship is like incense to him. That's like perfume, that it's beautiful smelling, that he loves it. And the incredible thing is it says that God dwells in the songs of our praises. In Psalm 22, 3, it says, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. The Amplified Version says, but you are holy, O you who dwell in the holy place where the, p- the praises of Israel are offered. Enthroned in this scripture, the Hebrew word is yashav, to sit or to dwell, to inhabit. It's the idea of remaining or staying, living with or setting up home. And then the Hebrew word for praise is Tehila, not tequila, tequila, <laughs> a song of praise. It's a song of praise that we bring to the Lord in response to the power and the presence of God. And so when you put that together, he's enthroned in our praise. It means that he dwells or he lives in the song of our praise. How incredible the imagery of that, that when we bring songs of praises to God, that he lives here, he dwells among us, he inhabits our praises That is so powerful because where God dwells, miracles happen. Church, where God dwells, miracles can happen. So when we bring our songs of praise to him and he dwells here, come on, don't come in not expectant. Don't come in to worship on a Sunday just thinking this is the same old, same old. This is not a song that I like, so I'm just going to hang back. Come expectant. Know that when we come, that we're dwelling together, that Jesus Christ dwells with us and that miracles can happen in this house, church. Come on, we've got to open our eyes. We've got to get a a revelation of praise and worship, the power of praise and worship. Number five is true worship is alive. It is alive with the Spirit of God and it's alive with people who are full of life. It's marked by life, by power. It's energizing, full of activity and electric. True worship isn't dead, dull and boring. If that's how you feel coming into a church on a Sunday morning, then you need to get a revelation of this scripture in Romans 8. Romans 8, 11 is the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Come on, how incredible is that? The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you. Come on, if you don't feel it this morning, delve a little deeper. Delve a little deeper. Come on, start to make that connection with the Lord. Start to speak out. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in me. I may not feel alive. I may feel dead this morning. But man, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and working in my life. Start to speak it out with faith. Start to speak it out with faith. Shake someone next to you. Come on this morning. Shake them and say, are you alive? Are you alive? True worship is alive. So come on, our next worship service, I want to see life in this house. Ezekiel 47.9 says, And it shall be that every living thing that moves, whether, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters will go there. For they, for they will be healed and everything, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Along the banks of the river and on this side and on that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. This scripture is talking about a river that flows from the throne room of God. A river of life that flows from the throne, the throne room of God. We need to be by that river. 
We need to set up house by that river. We need to set our roots down deep by that river because the river of life that comes. And you know what? When we're here on a Sunday, the river of life flows through this house of God. And it's a river that brings life, that brings healing, that says here brings fruit. When we worship God, we need to jump in that river. Our worship is spiritual. Number six, true worship is spiritual. It's driven by the Holy Spirit in and through the believer and the worship team. The presence of God is the driving force. In John 4.24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what does it mean to, to worship in spirit or that our true worship is spiritual? Well, let's look at the opposite. The opposite of spiritual is carnal or the physical. So this verse is saying that we can't worship God by carnal or physical means. So that means just singing the words with no meaning behind it, being distracted or being led by our feelings. We must worship from the heart, from the heart, heart to heart with Jesus, activating our spiritual man to connect with God and singing the words as if you're looking directly into his face. Sometimes we have to put off the flesh man. The word of God says the spirit is always willing but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. Our true worship has to be spiritual. You have to put off the flesh. And sometimes you have to starve the flesh man. And that's what fasting does as well, is starving the flesh man so that your spiritual man can get stronger and so that you can come to that place where, you know, it's just easy to step in. When your flesh man gets strong, when you start feeding, when you're always feeding your flesh man, your flesh man gets strong, it will dominate and overpower the spirit. You've got to feed your spirit man more than your flesh man. And once you do, when you do that, man, it's, it's, not a, it's not hard work to get into the presence of God because the Spirit, the, God, the Word of God says is always willing. Always, always, always. Five o'clock in the morning, your flesh man may not be willing, but your spirit man is willing. Worship must be driven by the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. This is what I live by and what I so believe, that the presence of God drives not only us but it drives our worship the presence of god we are spirit led we are spirit led we're spiritual beings and so worship must be driven by the presence of god and the holy spirit you know it's not about having the biggest and best worship team with all the bells and whistles and aiming for musical perfection that's not what it's about and i love that our team has never been about that not that we're not not that we don't you know strive to be better and to be excellent but we don't put emphasis on musical perfection We put emphasis on the spirit of God, on the presence of God, because that's what changes life, lives. It's about creating an atmosphere where the presence of God can dwell. You know, I've been in worship services that, you know, I've had a million people on the stage. And I've been at worship services where there's just been one person with a guitar. And can I tell you, the service that I was in with that one person, that one guitar, man, that was life-changing worship for me because she carried the presence of God and she ministered from being led by the Spirit. When we're led by the Spirit in worship, it avails much, church, rather than just singing empty words, rather than just making a noise. I don't want to make a noise. I want to worship my Creator. I want to glorify Him with all I have, with my whole being, with everything that's within me. And so just before we finish, I want to talk about the sacrifice of praise. 
In Hebrews 13 verse 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The Amplified says it like this, Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess the glory of his name. And the message says it like this, Let's take our place outside with Jesus, no longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praise from our lips to God in Jesus' name. You know, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, people would come and they'd have to bring animal sacrifices to offer up forgiveness or to be closer to God. But it cost them something because back then cattle was a form of currency. And so when they brought the animal sacrifice, that was a cost to them. So when the Bible's talking about sacrificial praise, we have to bring, obviously we don't have to bring animals into the church. Please don't bring animals into the church. (laughs) But we have to bring a sacrifice. It needs to cost us something. When's the last time you came into worship and it cost you something? A sacrifice of praise. God should receive the best of our passion, our energy, our love and our adoration, not the leftovers of our our week, non-committal, wishy-washy praise. Habakkuk 3.17 says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes in the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty, even though the fields are barren and the flock die in the fields and the cattle barns empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Do you know what I admire most, church? When a person's response in the most stressful, tumultuous or heartbreaking times is to run into worship. That's an example of pure sacrificial worship. You know, there's things that happen sometimes that we don't understand. Sometimes there's heartbreaking tragedies that happen sometimes that I don't have an answer for. But I know that my God is sovereign. And I know that I don't understand everything. But it's in those moments that you have a choice to run from God's presence and to be angry at God or to run into his arms and be comforted by the Saviour. We see this demonstrated throughout the Bible David, in 2 Samuel 12, verse 19 to 20, it says, When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. He just found out that his son was dead. And he went into the house of God and worshipped. Isaiah 61.3 that says that, the, that God gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Sometimes we can have a spirit of heaviness. And sometimes it's from situations that, are, you know, that are, are, have been heartbreaking or terrible and you can totally understand having a spirit of heaviness. But God says that he takes our spirit of heaviness and gives us a garment of praise. It means if we praise God in those moments that he can lift that heaviness. We don't have to live under the heaviness of circumstances and situations. We see Job. In Job one twenty one. he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, Job lost everything. Like, he had nothing left. He lost his livelihood. He lost his family. He lost his health. And yet here is saying... But blessed be the name of the Lord. 
I don't think, well, I don't know, but I don't think any of us have, been ne- have necessarily been in that place where they've lost their livelihood, they've lost their family, they've lost their health. Maybe you have been, and I just don't, I don't know. But you know what? There's always something that we can be thankful to God for. And we have a choice, church, whether we can praise, whether we can lift up the name of Jesus Christ in those circumstances and situations, or whether we can run and we can stay under that spirit of heaviness, whether we take on Jesus' garment of praise. You know what? In my life, there was a time that, um, that, I, that there was some disappointments, and there's been many times of disappointments in my life, but... One that I thought about in preparing this word was uh, when Brad and I actually were first kind of getting to know each other and we went away to this um, youth camp and we kind of had a understanding that each of us was interested in, in one another and um, at this youth camp we were spending a bit of time together just getting to know each other and you know little sparks were starting to form here and there and we came back from the youth camp and my sister who was the youth pastor at the time she, of course, ran to my mum and said, do you know that Sarah and Brad are really getting close? Then, you know, I don't think this is right and blah, blah, blah. And so I was then cornered at the end of the service by my mum and my sister. And anyone who knows them, they're very strong women <laughs> saying, you know, what's going on? I don't, I don't feel this is right. You need to break it off. You know, there's, um, and, you know, obviously they were speaking probably out of, obviously out of protection for me. Um, but maybe out of, a bit out of fear as well. And so after that service, I remember leaving the church. We, we had church in West End. I remember leaving the church and just driving to um, down by the water near West End. And I was upset and I was just crying And because I, I really felt, I said to the Lord, I don't want the, the next relationship I'd be in to be a relationship that fails or that I give of myself and nothing nothing happens. I want my next relationship to be the man that I'm going to marry and the man that you have for me. And so when this started to um, happen with Brad, I, was, I started to, to get some of those feelings and, you know, I, I kind of had an inkling that it was a God thing. And so then when I had my mum and my sister come up to me and say, no, this is wrong, you need to break it off, there was a disappointment. And so when I was sitting by the, by the water in my car, I just started to praise God. I just started to worship. I just started to sing because that's what I knew to do when I was in that place of disappointment. And I said, Lord, you know how I feel. You know the feelings I have. But if it's your will, Lord, then you're going to make it happen. But if it's not, take these feelings away from me. And so I I got back in the car and was just driving back home. And my sister calls me on my phone. She said, can you come to my house? I really need to talk to you. And so I turned around and went back to her place. I walked in the door and she said, Sarah, I'm so sorry. She said, I spoke out of, out of turn and without being prayerful and she said, you know what, Brad is an incredible man of God. He loves God with all of his heart and he's only demonstrated great um, personality. He's only demonstrated great character from when I've known him to now. So she said, you know, if you want to have, if you want to pursue a relationship with him, then you have, you know, my support. And so in that, I believe that God saw my heart before him, that it was... Lord, your will, not my will. And even in that disappointment, I chose to worship in that, in that time. And I believe God saw that and then vindicated me <laughs> into my mother and my sister. 
But, you know, it's what you do in those times of disappointment. And there's a, um, a poem by Edith Lillian Young called Disappointment, His Appointment that I want to read to you. Disappointment, his appointment. Change one letter, D to H. Then I see that the thwarting of my purpose is God's better choice for me. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise. For the end, for the, for the end from the beginning, open to his wisdom lies. Disappointment, his appointment, no good will he withhold. From denials off we gather treasures of his love untold. Well, he knows each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper trust. And the end of all his dealings proves our God is wise and just. Disappointment, his appointment, Lord, I take it then as such like clay in the hands of the potter, yielding wholly to thy touch. My life's plan is thy molding. Not one single choice be mine. Let me answer unrepining. Father, not my will, but thine. And I want to finish this morning, if I can have the worship team come, with the story of Paul and Silas. In Acts 16, verse 23 to 26, it says, When they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. I love, 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 love this passage of scripture. That at midnight, Paul and Silas were worshipping God and singing hymns. They'd just been tortured, beaten, thrown into prison. They had a lot of reasons to be angry at God. They had a lot of reasons to be resentful, to sit there and to sulk. But they had, their reaction was worship. When their choice was worship. I want us, church, to be like Paul and Silas. I want our response to disappointments in life to be worship because I know the power that praise and worship has in our lives. When you worship God in and out of season, it's powerful. We can't be shallow Christians and only praise God in the happy times when everything's going well. Come on, it builds faith and character in us when we also choose to worship Him through the trials, through the horrible, no good, positively terrible times. Worship and praise is like clicking the the refresh button on your computer. It's like zooming out and refocusing on the big picture on a God who unconditionally loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. Praise lifts our eyes from the struggles to the one who promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. Praise drives away frustration, tension, depression and fear. Praise and worship cleans the atmospheres of our homes and our hearts. It gets rid of all the smog and the fog of circumstances so that we can see who is really in control. Our focus is drawn from the complexity of our problems to the adequacy of God's infinite resources. Praise Him, church. Praise Him. Worship Him. Worship our God. Let me finish. We're going to sing. Why don't you just stand with me? We're going to worship this morning. But I just want to read this. Let these lyrics of We Hold Our Hearts Out to You once again because I believe that they're so powerful in this, in this moment. I'm going to read them out, then pray over us, and then we're going to worship this morning. 
we hold our hearts out to you. Here we're gathered once again under your name, thinking of all the ways we've all caused you shame. But we can find consolation in the things that you've said. We are all bound in our hearts by a common, fre- a common thread. We look to you who have made us one to give us strength and bring our hearts back to where we've begun. So together we hold our hearts out to you and we all can believe you know just what to do. Heal and forgive us. Make us all just like new. Jesus, we hold our hearts out to you. Sometimes we forget what it is that brings us here. Sometimes we forget what it means to be sincere. And there are times we are bothered when we don't seem to feel. Then we all focus on the one who makes things real. We look around and we feel strong. We feel your presence. Then we know that this is where we belong. And we hold, our, hold out all our lost and shattered dreams. And you'll be binding every heart with broken seams. With a warm and loving hand, you understand. Father, this morning, we come, Jesus, surrendered before you, God.